Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nerd Alert. Hello. Girls. Everybody, good to be back. And yes, we are talking about Loki. And surprisingly, we're not dumping on it. We're not hating on it. So, wow, let's get into it, Bridge. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jen with a G. How's it going, everybody? Hey, y'all. I am your other host, Bridget, pronoun she, hers. So great to be here to talk about Loki. And I can't believe I said those words out loud for real. Um, <laughs> for anyone who's listened to us talk about Loki before, this might come as a shock, but we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, before we get into the review in, in earnest, I um, just want to make a quick real world um, related comment. Um, Jonathan Majors, who plays He Who Remains, uh, Kang, the Conqueror, however you want to Call that character, um, you know, back in March was arrested on assault charges against his former partner um, and other alleged victims have come forward um, and Majors, as of recording, is set to stand trial for the assault charges on November 29th. Um, it feels weird to not, you know, mention that, um, you know, this real world thing is happening and, you know, in just especially in the wake of, you know, the hashtag Me Too movement and, you know, conversations about sexual assault and things like that and domestic violence as well. You know, these are serious things, serious allegations. And, you know, there is um, fairly solid reports as far as I can tell that Jonathan Majors and King, the character, is being eased out of the MCU. Um, so we'll see if that's like double confirmed. But, that is a thing that is happening. And so I just want to wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that. Um, and if anyone else, if anyone who is listening has experienced domestic violence, please seek help. You know, I'll drop a link in our um, episode description in case you need that kind of support. Um, but yeah, so I just, I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that on a, you know, serious note, but yeah. Whew. You know, yes. it is not that hard people to you know not be an abuser it's not that hard and the fact yet another celebrity is just in there just really ticks me off but (sighs) you know what are you gonna do i'm just glad that marvel's not keeping him because it seems like the evidence is stacked you know that he did it you know it's not like some false allegation or some something dumb like that so jonathan majors you pos get out and honestly kang is a really great villain but i'm thinking with the multiverse being a thing in the mcu now we can easily recast him and you know it can be viable or you can get another villain there are so many in the marvel comics so honestly i think they can handle it Jonathan Majors piss off although you know it's going to be interesting talking about his characters you know with he who remains and timely Mm -hmm. but just know there's some contempt there for the actor you know for what he's done so yeah thanks for bringing that up Bridget Mm -hmm. and thank you for including the link for those who need the help yeah absolutely um yeah so I mean I mean just take a moment I guess to talk about like Kang as like as a character you know I I feel like um 
well, I, even just going back to like our conversation about Loki season one, and if you want to listen to our thoughts on that, we we did an episode by episode coverage, but probably you're going to hear everything you need to hear just listening to episode six, <laughs> our review of that. Um, but, you know, we were we were not impressed with Loki season one, and our biggest gripe was definitely He Who Remains, that whole monologue in the last episode of season one was, I mean, just tiresome. It was tiresome and boring, and I wanted to move on to watching literally anything else. And, you know, that's the whole feeling you want when you're listening to, like, or when you're watching, you know, a finale of a show, you know? (laughs) So, you know, we just, we did not enjoy um, that version of uh, Kang, and we weren't really enthusiastic about about the idea of becoming the next, like, quote-unquote, big bad. We liked... Um, and by like, I, I'm using this very relatively, but like, um, we were more, I guess, intrigued by the version that appears in Quantum Mania. I, a lot of people don't like that movie, but we, we enjoyed ourselves and we thought like, you know, that version of, of Kang was more, I don't know, intimidating, more, felt less like the evil ficus or annoying bland vanilla that we got in He Who Remains. Um, that's just like our I would say that that's our feelings right it's okay if I speak for both of us and saying that's how we felt about this character so far in a nutshell before season two that's about it honestly speak for me when it comes to uh Loki because it you summed up the our feelings entirely my biggest thing other than trust me there were so many things about Loki season one that I was like eh or ick but that was definitely one of the major ones. The monologue, it hurt. I feel like I wasted my time with that monologue he gave us. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he was there again, he the he who remains, I was like, oh no. Seeing a Kang in Quantum Media though was a step up, and seeing him as timely now is another step up. So that's definitely one improvement that I can say for Loki season two's favor. And truly, you know. For those of you who loved uh, Loki season two, I kind of get it. I don't love it, but I definitely like it. And I definitely have more positive feelings this time around compared to season one. Thank goodness, too, because honestly, when we both went into this, we were both just like, do we have to? <laughs> I guess. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, what was it for you that made you decide, like, okay, I'll go ahead and watch it, even though, like, my expectations are, like, subterranean. Because, like, for me, I would say it's, like, mostly I'm just a diehard Marvel fan, and I will watch almost anything Marvel puts out. Almost. Um, I'd never watch the full Inhumans TV series, um, because that was... Ugh. Anyway, we're not gonna speak of it, but um, for the most part, you know, I've watched, like, a lot of the different, you know, Marvel things, and I would just because Marvel you know, in the, as far as the MCU is concerned, um, you know, I'm just like, all right, I, I'll give it a shot, you know, um, and yeah, I mean, shoot, I even gave Fan Stick a chance, you remember, when <laughs> that came out, everyone hated it, and I'm like, I want to see for myself, it, is it as bad as people say, spoiler alert, it was, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, so I think that's, like, was, like, half the reason, the other half was because, I mean, there were strengths in season one, like, despite, like, us not liking the series as a whole, like, we 
loved the all the actors they were amazing tom hiddleston phenomenal Oliver wilson phenomenal like it's like you know like and i think um you know the the characters were so strong and you know we liked certain aspects of the premise and the ideas that like loki was wanting to loki as a series was wanting to explore and we wanted more from it and you know at the very least i hope season two would give us a little bit more of it and i was rewarded and so that felt good but yeah i mean for you jen like what what got you to be like all right i'll watch it <laughs> obvious yeah right there capital letters Mobius. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I was curious as to what more they could do, and I was like curious as to what would happen with the TVA after they left off season one, how they did. But I also could have happily like looked at the Wikipedia page or looked at someone else's review. But I was here for Mobius. I wanted him to have a jet ski. Mm -hmm. I wanted him to hook up with Loki. I wanted something great for this man. Also, I'll admit I was also here for Tom Hiddleston. I support him. He's an awesome actor. Even if he was in a really lazy show, you know? Mm -hmm. So I came back almost exclusively for Mobius and for Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> yeah, and I think those are good reasons. Um, Yeah, and so I would say... I. I mean, we talked about when we were talking, reviewing Hawkeye on a week to week basis, um, basically we said like, if you can muscle through the first, I think it was, we said the first two episodes, it picks up starting episode three where you're like, okay, let's go, you know, um, for Loki series for us, it doesn't, it, you know, if you muscle through the first season <laughs> and muscle through the first three episodes of season two, and then episode four that's when it picks up for us um no and and i say that with again with the caveat that there were elements of season one of loki that we did like that did ultimately bring us back i think um just in hopes that it it would turn things around and for us it really did and so i'm really happy to say that like we were so shocked when we started saying i'm actually looking forward to the next loki episode and um yeah so but yeah, um, I guess just overall, though, we, we decided not to cover on a week to week basis one because we're very tired <laughs> and we just don't have the energy and space to do a week by week coverage. And also we had um, we were skeptical about Loki. And so we decided to just, you know, even as the series was picking up, we decided to just talk about this season as a whole and how we felt about it. So just generally speaking, Jen, um, we don't have to go episode by episode necessarily, but just like overall, what were your highlights and your lowlights for season two of Loki? A highlight was definitely OB. Mm. That man is a treasure. Introducing this awesome TVA technician and him being just quirky and lovable. And he wrote the TVA guide in a weird <laughs> yeah. convoluted thing where... Uh, one of Kang's variants wrote it, but also Ob wrote it. It's 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 a one of those time paradox things. But anyway, Ouroboros is this mm. character that was brought in, and honestly, he is a treasure. That man and basically all the all the main characters that they want us to care about, just ten out of ten five stars they had great chemistry the jokes mm -hmm. landed 
just loved it and also the visuals and the music of course slapped pretty well yes Um, natalie holt mm, amazing composer amazing yes oh my gosh the like i had no complaints with the music last season so it was nice that it kept up with its awesomeness this season you know nothing changed there it still remained awesome and thank goodness it did that music especially for the conclusion Ooh. The last episode? Oof. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, weak points. Um, some of the side characters, I think. Like, one of the hunters who defected, went into a new life. That guy was... Who ugh. was a B- basically a B-list actor named Brad. Um, yeah, like, literally... Um, <laughs> if you heard Caroline on the show before... Um, you'll know that she also didn't like Loki. And so she was like, is it, do I bother with season two? And we're, and I was like, just skip the parts with Brad and you're good. <laughs> um, Truly. <laughs> honestly, that was the, like, it was like scenes with him that I almost, like it almost was as bad as the He Who Remains monologue. And like, I'm just, I just like was tired. I just didn't, I, I mean, okay. Like, I didn't inherently hate his character or anything. Like, I, I think the it's kind of a fun premise that, like, he's, like, you know, the an actor in these goofy movies and he just doesn't want to give that up and he's, like, a selfish little slime ball, you know? Like, that's fine. Like, I that it, it just felt like we spent too much time with him. And, you know, I... I just was kind of like, let's get back to the main plot. Let's get back to our main characters. I just, you know, I mean, and I mean, I'll say the one scene I think that was really good with him in it um, is um, with the whole, he's being boxed in by Loki and Loki's, you know, pretending that he's, you know, gonna act, you know, kill him with this like time box. I don't know what it's called. Um, with the temp pad yeah yeah like the the that's a well acted scene for sure um and i'm not saying this guy's not a good actor in the other scenes but like i think this is a well directed like it's you feel the tension of like the box literally closing in on him you feel the pressure and like you know you know you know, and loki playing him like a fiddle like that's a really good scene like it, i wouldn't have cut him out altogether i just think um we spent a little bit too too much time with him in general i that was my feeling he wasn't very sympathetic to me. Not at all. Like, I don't know if maybe he was used to the whole uh, everyone at the TVA was plucked out of their timeline and they're curious as to what's where they were taken from. And this was one of the ones that wanted to stay where he was. And, you know, if that's the case, at least give us someone who is stomachable or who had a a good life that they had before the TVA took them away, you know, like a family or love of their life or a amazing career, something, you know, but instead we get this guy who really is just a selfish slime ball. Everything about him was just really obnoxious. And when Loki scared him, revealing uh, Renslayer and Miss Minutes' plan and everything, I was just, deeply satisfied and i was hoping that was the last we'd see of him and unfortunately he stuck around just a little longer but yeah people like him were definitely a low point also unfortunately season two got back into the ick factor 
luckily not with Loki and Sylvie, although there was definitely still a little bit of lingering. I think you're cute and I wish we could have had this kind of thing. But I'm specifically talking about uh, Miss Minutes and then Kang's variant Timely. Like she apparently had a crush on him this day. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was very, it was very creepy and chilling. Um, but I don't know, it didn't bother me the way that Sylvie and Loki does because, like, Sylvie and Loki, just for me, it just feels like incest. I just, there's no other way to say it. You know, that's what it feels like to me, and it just feels just too ick for me. Um, it, but like for that one, it's, I mean, it's weird, it's bizarre, but like, I don't know, maybe it's. Maybe it's also because like I've I've seen like other like um shows slash movies about like AI falling in love and it not always being a horrible creepy thing. Um but like Miss Minutes the way it's definitely creepy, but like I don't I that didn't bother me. I don't know. I think because I saw I like I was enjoying how uncomfortable Timely was. Cause he's a douchebag, you know? Like he like there's certain aspects of him where I, I almost like him, that he's almost endearing, but then he does something that you're like, oh, that's right, you're the worst. <laughs> and Truly, truly. Yeah, I don't know. It's like she's like, like Miss Minutes is like um a villainous in, in love or like I wouldn't even say in love, more like obsessed. Like there's a fixation and obsession, which I think is often how like quote unquote love is portrayed from like, you know villainous characters right it's it's more obsessive it's more possessive it's not like really built built on the self selflessness that should be inherent in love it's you know their kind of love is like selfish and that's definitely what hers was definitely like she definitely had this hero worship for he who remains and kind of pass it on to timely it was just really really uncomfortable for me personally just i don't know what it is with marvel with these ick couples at times i'm just like please stop don't well, don't write romance you're not good at it well okay i guess the other thing is like it didn't really feel like they were setting them up as a romance you know like i like for sylvie and loki like they actually kissed like if 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 timely was into it you know it, like if timely was flirting back i think then it would have veered too much for me I think that's what's different for me personally is why I'm not like, cause like, I feel like we're supposed to feel like, Ugh, you know, with, with Miss Minutes, you know, um, whereas with Sylvie and Loki, they really try to, I feel like, you know, the way they framed everything, the way they filmed everything, you know, they were, they were using romantic tropes. They were using romantic framing and they literally kissed, you know? So like that, I don't know. That's where it kind of flipped the switch for me where I'm like, no, this isn't funny anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? That I guess that's the difference for me. Fair enough. Still a low point for me, though. I'm just like, okay, I get the creepy obsession thing for Miss Minutes, but like, it took a little too far for my personal taste. Mm -hmm. So, weak point, in my opinion, and well trying to think uh what else was like meh just sometimes things were a little convoluted but eh, subtitles help out a great deal yeah <laughs> yeah and it's hard not to be a little convoluted when you're doing a show that involves time travel so you know i'll give you know loki the series grace for that 
Um, it gets difficult to deal with time warps and variants and going to the future and past and all of that other stuff. So, you know, it's it's a lot going on with that just inherently when you're doing a show like that. Um, but yeah, I think um, yeah. Did you have any other? Sorry, I, did you have any other highlights or lowlights you want to talk about? Um, honestly, again, I got to go back to Obi for just a little bit because. <laughs> The fact that he's just so precious and people recognize how precious he is yeah, is amazing. So much appreciation for this side character who I will likely never see again, but he will live in my heart rent-free forever. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Same, yes. Okay, well, I guess, okay, to talk about my highlights, obviously, yes, OB is, like, a cutie pie. Love him, and I just, to, and OB is... Um, short for Ouroboros. Wait, who gives him the... Because the, someone else... Someone gives him the nickname, right? I can't remember now. Is it Mobius? Mobius did. Yeah, but he doesn't remember doing it. Yeah, that's right. Um, but Well, anyway, but Ouroboros is just... For those of you who don't know, um, a circular symbol depicting a snake or less commonly a dragon swallowing its tail as an emblem of wholeness or infinity. Like, that's what the word Ouroboros refers to. Um... So the idea of infinity, especially with like, you know, OB helping trying to help, you know, build these, you know, loops to to weave together the infinite branches and infinity being this sticking point, right? Um, in certain respects. Um, I think it's just an interesting meta commentary, you know. I just, I love, you know, the meaning of their names related to time. I think that's just really fun. Yeah, definitely. They he did well with this character and naming him, designing him, and then the actor, of course, for acting oh, him and making him so, so charming. Yes, so absolutely. Good. Very endearing. I and I loved I love that he accrued a little fan club with Casey and with Timely. Like <laughs> one of the things where the goofy thing they did actually was great. Um I like yeah. I'm like it's so cute that they that he has a little fan club. It's great, so great. So great. He deserves it because mm-hmm. he's not a slime ball jerk. He deserves just a little recognition because he works in this place all by himself. You know, he doesn't really get company. And of course, the first company he gets immediately besties with, including like two fanboys who just adore him, ask for his autograph. It's so good. It's very, it's adorable. And he is adorable. And yeah, I, and I mean, okay, so like, um, sipping back for a minute in like terms of before season two of Loki started, we saw like, or I saw a teaser drop, um, where we're first introduced to Ob, and I think it was like the combination of him and like the back and forth banter between Loki and Mobius in like the elevator where you know Loki's first time slipping and Mobius finally admits, no, I lied, it looks awful, <laughs> you know, um with the with the time slipping and just like i just remembering how great loki and mobius's dynamic was like that i mean that if anything you know was the best part one of the best parts of season one and so like it was that combination with like being introduced to ob and being like i already love this guy you know i like i don't know it kind of it kind of reawakened my hopes in in loki and what it could be as a series so um yeah, I gotta give Obi Do credit for that. And also just like, you know, um skipping ahead toward to the end here, right? But like when it is revealed that he was like a failed science fiction writer and uh, like a science professor, 
um, in Pasadena, like, and, you know, and then he was so focused on, I mean, okay, well, it's just like so many endearing things about him that he tries to buy his own book and like, you know, he's like nerding out with Loki about like science versus fiction and, you know, and, and like, um, and I also just love, this is very nerdy of me, just interdisciplinary nature of like him being like into literature and writing and reading and also like physics and all that's so, like the sciences and and the humanities unite and I'm just very nerdy about that in general but <laughs> um so appreciate him for that and being so dedicated with you know helping out Loki you know I'm I'm sure they had like singular focus because I was when he says like oh yeah like I I built the I built the thing in like I think it was like six months no a year 18 months my wife left me I was like oh <laughs> I felt so bad for him but I, I'm sure it was because he was just like totally focused on building that thing and didn't pay attention to anything else lost his job it just it was like Obi no. you're so dedicated <laughs> this guy give him a raise and a promotion ah oh, yeah he deserves all the good things and anyway so yeah he was definitely definitely a highlight for me as well um I would say uh the other highlight obviously yeah is mobius and anytime he and loki loki are on screen together it's just it's magic um not to make a pun out of it but you know um and like i want to i want to know what tom hillison said about you know him his character and mobius's character and you know working with owen wilson he said uh owen kind of elevated the whole series he's so intelligent and imaginative and witty mobius and loki are kind of an odd couple but uh-huh. they found a quote unquote friendship. I I add the quotes. Um, they make each other better. Which, my gosh, man! <laughs> Tell me you're a Lokius shipper without saying you're a Lokius shipper. Like there it is, right there. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, uh, you know, like I I like the idea of them kind of casually in season one, but as of season two, I like was really I'm like I. You can just see how much, like, they care about each other. And, like, I just love the little details of, like, Mobius really, I mean, always being able to tell, I be able to read Loki like a book, you know, which makes sense because he spent all that time, like, studying Loki and everything um, in season one, or even before season one, I guess. But, um, you know, and, like, I mean, even with the last episode, like, he's the only one who notices, I mean, or, like, actually, like, vocalizes noticing, like, when Loki is kind of off or, you know, he's like, what is going on with you? You know? And like, because I mean, it speaks to Mobius, I think as a character in general for being so emotionally intelligent. Like, I think that's definitely one of his strengths as a person. Right. Um, But like, it also, I think just speaks to just how much he really does care about Loki and that, I don't know. I just find, I find that incredibly moving both like platonically and romantically I I just like I'm I'm weak for that stuff man like for that one person to always notice when nobody else does or nobody else voices it you know like I just I just really like that a lot I felt like they always had that special connection in that way and it made me sad when Loki just kept looking like a woebegone puppy at Sylvie and I'm like no look away (laughs) like look at this mustachioed man right beside you like do you not see (laughs) uh yeah um so you know I think I but their their back and forth was really fun they made like I 
the times that I laughed out loud was was almost always Mobius related and particularly Mobius in relation to Loki and they're just they're back and forth it's just great you know so good <laughs> it's so, so good so good oh yeah. my gosh yeah just perfection I love that the actors have that sort of chemistry Mm-hmm. And there's just just so many great moments between the two, just such bros. And even though a part of me will always want them to be a couple, I know there's fan fiction for it. Right. Whatever. It's fine. Their friendship is more than enough for me, especially since it, it's like you said, Bridge. He notices. Mm-hmm. Mobius notices things about Loki, and Loki's starting to notice things about uh, Mobius. Like when they're interrogating Brad. And he gets under Mobius's skin. Loki immediately takes him away, you know, and he's just like letting him talk and air it out, you know. Just yeah, like... that was a great scene. Such a great scene. Oh my gosh! And the fact that Mobius is just so cool and gentle and affectionate, even with Loki, you know, it's nice. He's a good counterbalance for Loki's energy. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like truly, genuinely, like. Loki needs someone like Mobius to kind of settle him a little bit, you know? Because, like, I mean, Thor, I love him, but, like, he just adds to the chaos, let's be honest. He truly does. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A different kind of chaos, but chaos nonetheless. Chaos nonetheless, yeah. Um, but for anyone who is feeling the Lokiest vibes and really sad that we didn't get it in canon, um, I want to recommend Alice Rovai on Instagram, who has done a really great comic series, Um about Loki is like picking up after season one. I haven't read it from the beginning because I kind of joined, I started following them on Instagram kind of like later in the game. Um, but like, spoiler alert, they have a daughter. She's adorable and mischievous. And ah, uh, it's a great AU. I would totally recommend. And I will link in the bio or in, not in the bio, link in our episode description as well for this episode. Um, uh, my, my only disclaimer is that she's not good about posting spoiler alert warnings. So just beware. <laughs> um yeah um so yeah in, in a nutshell yeah loki and mobius definitely highlights the acting obviously was great the music was great you've already made those points so i won't go over it again um i will say too just i enjoyed like fleshing out the side characters um a little more in terms of the main group um like casey finding out that he was an alcatraz prisoner <laughs> and finding out hunter b15 uh, was a doctor like that I'm like that's so tracks like she has that gentle personality like really love that you know so like those little side stories that we got to see I think was really fun we didn't spend too much time with it you know just kind of get a glimpse of what their lives were before you know um and yeah um so that was also highlight and I I enjoyed uh Ravona Renslayer this like part of what I yeah was was the turnaround for me is I I just enjoyed her character a lot more and just like finding out her backstory and her complicated history with with um Kang with he who remains with timely and like you know I mean I <laughs> I made this terrible joke before um when I was texting you about it Jen but I'll I'll reiterate the joke here um that you know I mean like she is just she lives up to her name, all right? She's a Renslayer. She slayed both in the murdery sense, but also slayed kind of just like as a Yas queen kind of way, you know? I mean, she was taken charge with Timely by the end of it, and I loved it. I ate that up. I'm like, good. Someone needs to, like, bonk this guy on the head, you know? Um, And just seeing, like, 
I don't know. I think there was also a very meta thing going on with that when she was griping about like how, you know, all this work and effort that I put into running your TVA, you know, like being like the woman who, like, I don't know, as a woman of color, like having to put in all these extra hours and like receiving nothing in return, you know, not even receiving recognition for it, you know, in a nutshell was kind of what she was um getting at for me like that's what kind of I was thinking of as she was talking about like how she put in all of this effort and then you know just to have her memories erased to not be treated as an equal partner but to be sidelined over and over again you know and so like that really resonated with me and thinking about you know just like the representation of women of color and just like women of color in the workplace and all that stuff um that I thought was I don't know I really enjoyed that as well so I would say that's Definitely. one of the. I was just uh, thinking about what they did with Renslayer towards the end there. Mm. Just it was a solid conclusion in general. I'm scratching my head a little about what they did specifically with Renslayer, unless I'm mm. missing something. Yeah, I mean it. It seems like she's. Uh, I mean, okay, so she was um, pruned by Sylvie in their last confrontation, and then uh-huh. you see her being like covered with the purple lights purple light and i assumed that maybe was like the what was the name of the monster that was in that was guarding he who remains in season one i thought that's what it was oh okay yeah i'm not sure if we're gonna see her again if that was just like was supposed to be i feel like that's supposed to be an open-ended um ending for her because i mean because otherwise you know if i don't see a dead body i assume they're not dead you know what i mean so, yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah um so i i don't know where in space or time at this point though that she actually is though because if they you know got rid of that monster before i i'm sorry i totally don't remember what that being was called um i can't remember either do i care enough to look it up no because i didn't like season one so you know but the point is you know her her ending is kind of well, it's it's open ended. I felt like that if they wanted to bring her in, you know, I don't know, they could go either way on it if they're interested in exploring her character more. Um, but yeah, I guess, um, yeah, and then, then in terms of uh, low lights for me overall, I would say Sylvie was still a low point for me. Um, although there were excellent scenes with her. I mean, I'm really think I'm thinking of this the scene with um timely when he's like you don't know me you know and like you know you don't know you know he's like I'm a different person and like I can make different choices and I forget exactly what he says you know but basically kind of getting at what she was so desperate to prove to I mean to everyone right like her right to exist as a variant and um you know and you can see how that really shakes her you know like she's so ready to kill timely but that's what makes her stop because you know she sees that there's there's something that she can relate to in him and something that she never expected to find you know and so I thought that was a really well done scene you know and like it made me feel for both for both their characters I guess more for her um really felt for her character and like you know and like I feel for just in general her her mission and you know in terms of like you know everyone should be able to just live the lives they want um you know but I think I don't know like I agree with her but also like she just doesn't feel like she's ever really willing to take responsibility for the consequences of her actions you know 
she just like wants to do what she wants and not and then not deal with the aftermath like she wants to blow things up but then not help to rebuild you know and like exactly it just bugged me um so like on one hand i was on her side but another i was just like eh, you know and like i thought it was an interesting but ultimately kind of odd choice to have her work at mcdonald's and that being her life that this life that like on one hand i get it because you want to show i mean that scene where she wants to try everything at the mcdonald's like i thought that was really good you know it's like ah yes she wants to experience normalcy she wants to try what she wants and like without like you know looking over her shoulder all the time and like you know living the banal everyday life like you know enjoying a slice of life comic in real life basically and so I did get that you know but I was like okay but your whole life is around just working at this McDonald's you know you don't have any relationships or friends you know other than like that your coworker who clearly has a crush on you <laughs> that you totally ignore and you know I, it's not until um later that we we see her friend in, in the music store and I'll touch that on that in a minute but you know I just kind of was like okay it's kind of like funny you know like oh she just decides to work at a mcdonald's like that's you know it's so unexpected and so like bizarre and like that's not that wasn't inherently bad thing but i just i think i was kind of throwing off that that seems to be all there is to her life and i'm like do you are you really feeling fulfilled by this like and like with your pickup trunk in a in a dark empty parking lot like this is your life i don't i mean i just i don't know i just i kind of had a hard time understanding why she was so desperate to protect that life um I don't know I feel mixed about it like I, I'm still not entirely sure how I feel about it because on one hand I understand what they were going for but on the other hand I'm just not sure I personally agree with it um that that's what I I don't know it's not personally what I would have wanted to do with her character if I was writing Loki um and yeah um you know and the other flaw that I felt like for most of the of season two was like not you know it's like the high stakes like um you know, there's too many branches, you know, and it's causing chaos and like the TVA is going to blow up. It's like, okay. And we care about the, the characters in the TVA, but then it's like, oh, but these branches are dying off because they're not going into the, into the loom and, you know, and, or, or the branches are being bombed, right. By, um, I forget the name of that hunter who's leading all the others to bomb all the branches. Because, yeah. 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 You know, and you see, but you all we see is just like the lines disappearing on a screen. Like we don't feel the emotional impact. Like it's like okay, you know, in your head, like okay, that means people dying, but we don't actually see that happening, and we've not really invested any time. At that point, we had not really not invested any time in these alternate timelines. You know, other than the, the thing with you know Timely's world, you know, a little bit, and like Brad's world, I guess um but like and like and I think uh Sylvie's I can't remember at this point um but like no no like nothing that like really endeared me to any of these like those branches in and of themselves if that makes sense um like I wasn't yeah I don't know and like we just we didn't see it we didn't feel the impact I think in a way that we should have initially when um you know the the branches were um you know being bombed by by the hunters and so you know um but then that shifts when we get to that uh scene where 
Sylvie is, you know, going to the record store and, you know, um, you can see if she has a rapport with with the guy who works there. And it's like, oh, okay, you see that she does have a friend, you know, and he recommends her this record. And it's, you know, and it reminds me a little bit of, you know, Peter Quill listening to the music, right? And like really mm-hmm. letting herself be immersed in that and like feeling like, I don't know, I just like feeling the emotions of it, being connected to song and to music. It's very reminiscent of Peter Quill. And um, and for me personally, like I, I feel like music is a really great way to just connect with your emotions and everything. And like, you know, and she has this relationship, this friendship based on, you know, based on this music and with this guy. And like, you know, so she goes to the side of the room, she sits down, she's listening to it on her headphones. And then, um, you know, the music store owner guy like looks outside and sees everything disintegrating. It's very reminiscent of what happens in Doctor Strange's episode in What If. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, every, I mean, everything's like turning into time spaghetti, basically. And so, you know, and he's, it, I mean, it's happening so slowly and you can see that he's like, what is going on? And then, you know, and then he finally, he's like, I got to run, you know, and like he's, but he turns around and he says Sylvie and he reaches for her and she reaches back, but then he just totally disintegrates before she can reach him. Ah, oh, it was that, like, I don't know, somehow, like, that was like such a, it just goes to show that it didn't take a lot of time or effort to show the emotional impact, to establish even a small rapport with like a, a certain branch, um, with a certain, like, you know world and then watching it disintegrate like it was like oh I finally feel it now I finally feel like the personal stakes in this and not just like the global like oh look at those little lines disappearing on a screen like it it just doesn't create the same impact you know and I thought they did it kind of too late in the game like they should have I don't know they could have done something like that earlier is is my thought on it honestly you're so right because I remember watching that particular scene where we're seeing the lines of uh, the branches, I mean, being disintegrated. And there's like that objective sense of, oh, oh, that sucks. Whole worlds are being disintegrated or dusted or whatever. But you don't really feel it until Sylvie's in that music store. And the guy who's a total bro, RIP music guy, immediately, once he sees everything disintegrate and everything... His first thought is to go to Sylvie, you know, just yeah. running to her, reaching out for her, whether to like try to protect her or just be with someone in the last moments or just to not be alone. Whatever the reason, that was pure human emotion. Like mm-hmm. that's when we felt the emotional impact. And it, it's like you said, it does not take much. If they showed maybe like, little snippets of these worlds getting uh, pruned or something something i don't know a little too late in the game just great scene though i cannot emphasize that enough it was so good wish would have had that emotional impact when they first started pruning the branches and blowing out the branches but all right you know we did we didn't warn you all that it doesn't start picking up till the fourth episode Right. And like, also like on the objective level, you know, like it was the, the time the the loom was going to blow up, you know, they like by, I mean, by bombing all those timelines, they gave the TVA more time, you know, like I, like even on the objective level, I'm like, well, the TVA wouldn't have survived much longer if they hadn't done it though, you know, 
I think was the other reason why I was like, you know, obviously, you know, again, objectively, it's terrible these branches dying off, but it's like we've been pruning all this time and they're pruning again what they've already done before. And, you know, it's it's buying them time to try to preserve what's left and to protect future branches that will emerge. You know, it's just kind of like, I don't know, it was that tension that also kind of made it hard for me to completely be to be all up in my feels about it in that moment, I guess. Um, so there was that as well. I think that was like, you know, we're just looking at a screen and we're for thinking objectively, they need the extra time. Let's, you know, and that's like, it feels awful to say, but it's like, but we just didn't see the, the branches again in real time, actually just, you know, disappearing. It was just like, I I'm sorry. It's just difficult to make an emotional connection when it's like literally just like pixels on a screen disappearing, you know, um, it's just not the same. So exactly yeah and like and that's a tension that i think they do a better job of dealing with later well by the by the finale right with like you know understanding like the the personal and the larger stakes with like the branches dying off and like you see what it looks like and you know what it feels like you've had to watch all your beloved characters die over and over again in the same way you know it's like i don't know it's it's like we're you know it's like watching the infinity wars dusting you know over and over I again for different characters, you know <laughs> you gosh that was my thought entirely bridge mm-hmm. like i can't do this again they can do that to me again no yeah you know and even when like when timely okay so i mean that was like a such a big um shell shock moment when like timely was spaghettioed the first time you know, and you're like, and that's how it ends. And you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, he's gone. It turns out we're going to see him die like that a dozen times until Loki helps them get it right. Um, but that's skipping ahead there. But like, anyway, um, so I would say just like the Lola in general for me was like that the best parts of the series came later when like didn't come until the, until the second half. And I'm like, I why are you making me wait so long (laughs) why are you making me wait so long for the good stuff and it got like really good I mean when the you know you just really didn't know what was going to happen next especially after timely dies the first time and it's like what now you know and there's so many directions they could have gone it was hard to even hypothesize about it really there were just so so many that was when it got interesting when they finally get timely in they they're gonna fix the loom okay let's do this timely's ready to go out there oh he's been spaghetti oh no that's it that's all you know this is the final hour no clinging unfortunately i was really hoping mobius and loki would cling i was hoping casey and obi would cling a little you know but that was basically the moment where things really started ramping up and getting interesting yeah, truly. I think it was definitely a game changer. I think they, it was a game changer and it lived up to that term, you know, in a nutshell. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think just overall, those are, are my thoughts about the characters. Um, oh, well, gosh, I say that and I'm not, I haven't even really talked about Loki himself. Okay. I mean, let's talk about him in ge- like his, his, his growth, how he's changed. I mean, since I mean, we could go back to his first appearance in Thor and talk about how far he's come even since season one of Loki. But basically for me, you know, I 
I loved Loki a lot in at, at by the end of Thor Ragnarok. You know, you could really feel like his love for his brother. I've talked about that in Ozium on this podcast, but like, you know, like you can see that he just he wanted he's always wanted love and he's always wanted approval. I mean, even since um Thor one, um, like that scene where like he's and they're he's dangling off the bridge of the broken bifrost bridge and you know he says to odin like you know i almost i almost succeeded father like i i would i almost did it for you for us and you know odin just says no loki and it's like ah, it's such a tragic heartbreaking moment he like but you can see how much he did it just seeking you know his father's approval seeking love seeking acceptance like I mean, I think in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think it's worth a, an in-depth character study about, like, how much Loki was actually motivated by power versus motivated by just a desperate want for love and attention, you know? I mean, because even when he becomes, like, quote-unquote king, when he's impersonating um, Odin, like, all he does is, like, make plays about himself and his daring do you know like he's seeking love and attention like right um like truly truly through the theater you know it's like the only way he can get it is is by you know doing these plays about himself even though thor's right there ready to love him but anyway um so like you know i think there's a lot to be said about you know this this need that this gaping hole in him that i think becomes so apparent by the end of this season i mean um that's another great conversation that he does have with with sylvie in terms of like you know she's like why are you doing this why are you fighting so hard and he's like because everything's gonna be destroyed and blah 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 and she's like what's the real reason he's like i don't want to lose my friends you know i don't want to be alone and i'm like oh you know and like he resigns himself to letting his friends go like okay live your lives on the timeline i i'm freaking out over nothing he wasn't freaking out over nothing but (laughs) um you know but he was ready to let them go and but like you could see how heartbreaking that was for him and was and it makes the ending of this series so much worse it's so tragic like oh you know like i don't want to be alone and like you know i mean because he finally for him he finally has friends right like he didn't have friends back on asgard like all the you know Thor's friends were more his friends than they were ever Loki's friends. Let's be honest, right? And like, let's be honest. Yeah. And he always had a tense relationship with Thor, and that's definitely their dad's fault for pitting them against each other, whether intentionally or not. I mean, that was the thing that like made it hard for them to be friends. And so, you know, I think something I really liked was getting to see like him him build his own community and he got to know these people over centuries you really stop to think about that centuries as he learned yep. all that ob and timely knew in order so he could you know create the oh my gosh the name is escaping me but the thing to to fix the to try to fix the time loop you know i mean centuries <laughs> i can't stop saying it but centuries that he like does this over and over again it's crazy uh-huh uh-huh the dedication, I mean, he was already close with all of them as it was, but when you really think about the implications of centuries worth of knowing these people and talking to them and being with them, yeah, these are his friends, the first friends he's probably ever had, you know? 
So the mm-hmm. fact that that was all he wanted and that was all he needed, just he got it. Because I really do think about it once in a while where I'm thinking he must have been ostracized, you know, by Asgard, you know, as being the least favorite son. Mm-hmm. Plus a magic user. Asgard's all warrior rather than magic, you know. Right. So he really is, he began off as this uh, vindictive, tantruming child almost. Mm-hmm. And just, you you kind of pity him, but at the same time you're like, dude, that's no excuse to try to kill a bunch of humans and your right. own brother C- come on come on you know that's no real excuse so when they uh when the tva picks him up in 2012 of the avengers after he you know steals the tesseract yada yada he's still in that mindset of i'm alone the only one who's gonna look out for me is me validate me you know and he does try that a little and to his surprise mobius kind of validates him by you know talking to him because even though he's a supposed variant mobius does talk to him and next thing you know we flash forward he's friends with mobius and he's friends with uh, ob casey hunter b15 and sylvie he finally has what he didn't even realize he needed because he's probably thinking i i have all this power i need all this power but deep down it's like notice me notice me i am a person i am real and finally he's got it he's got this community of people who he wants to keep with him at all costs so there's definitely that character development from uh, season one to season two and even from like a little bit of progression of season two because when sylvie like forces him to confess like i don't want to lose my friends and he was willing to let go that was that's something that's definitely unheard of from like loki when we're from when we first met him so right. such progression and it's like you said bridge it just makes his fate the finale all the more heartbreaking what he had to sacrifice to protect his community his people it's just it, it was so good that's definitely mm-hmm. one of the strongest points of loki season two and it was that finale yes. wrapped up beautifully And, like, it kind of gets at what I was saying earlier about, like, selfish versus selfless love. You know, him being willing to let them go was that selflessness. And he leans into it even more by the end of the season, right? Like, he knows, like, by the end of it all, like, he knows what love actually is. And by the time he gets that, you know, he's cut off from it. And it's so sad. (laughs) It's so sad. Um, and the other thing too is all right, so season one, episode one, the title is called Glorious Purpose. Mm-hmm. And the last episode of season two, the series finale, is also titled Glorious Purpose. Right? So we're bookending it with this phrase, glorious purpose, right? And that's like his MO in Avengers. Um you know like glorious purpose he wants to rule it all for reasons and you know and like right so he's all he's like saying i'm all about power and blah 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 and we've already discussed how it's a little bit more complicated than that perhaps but you know on on you know on the outside right that's what he's talking about that's what he's seeking and he thinks that's where he'll find fulfillment is 
glorious purpose and you know in 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 this finale you know i mean in the middle of his one of his many confrontations with sylvie um you know when he goes back in time to you know the confrontation with he who remains you know she's like you have been seduced by a throne and he screams i don't want a throne and i like gasped out loud (laughs) i don't know about you I always suspected he didn't want it, but I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was he wanted because power is definitely alluring to Loki, but the fact that it's because of the underlying need for love and affection and attention, yeah, that took me a minute. Yeah, and so like, it was a little surprising, but not as much, I think. I I was I guess I was surprised because I mean he has taken advantage of opportunities to take the throne. I, I mentioned him like impersonating Odin. So like he has been seduced by a throne before. Again, whether it's like based on really a true thirst for power in the ways that he would make us believe, I'm, you know, obviously way less certain of that, you know, but like just the vehemence with which he says that, you know, like I don't want a throne. Like I don't want to be in this position of power. It reminds me of, you know, Thor's parallel journey with not wanting the throne, right? Like in Thor 1, that was what they both of them were all about. They were both all about that throne. Give me that throne, right? Like, that's what mm-hmm. they lived for. And, you know, and by the time we get to the end of Thor Ragnarok, well, by the time we get to Thor 2, I guess, Thor is like, you know, no, no, no. Like, I don't want the throne. I'm not ready. I have other things I need to do. And I need to protect this universe. And, like, even with, like, Thor Ragnarok, I feel like he takes it on kind of reluctantly you know like that wouldn't have been his first choice he has to though because odin's dead and hella took over and blah 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 right like he he only takes it out of necessity right and so and then we see suddenly that loki is having that same trajectory it's just like the brothers parallel each other so much and i liked that a lot <laughs> like i value their 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 relationship so much and even when they're apart i still feel like they're their, their character arcs are feeding into each other in a really cool way. Uh, very good observation. I definitely agree. I think the writers uh, handle Loki really well towards the end there. You know, kind of bringing it to a full circle. I didn't even realize the glorious purpose thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to talk about time loops. We're going to talk about this. But man, glorious purpose started it and finished it. And in the end, they both took on a different meaning. Mm-hmm. Very right. poetic. It's very poetic, right? And like, I mean, it, I guess this would be a good time to talk about, um, you know, that's that pivotal scene with Mobius where like, you know, Loki is seeking advice um, from from Mobius when they first meet, when they quote unquote first meet out of time travel is so weird. <laughs> but, you know, like, basically it gets down to, I mean, like, Loki like is asking how do you make you know, they're having a conversation about how to make tough choices, you know, and Mobius tells him that story about, about, you know, back when Mobius was a hunter and like how like a variant who was going to be responsible for the death of 5,000 people, um, you know, but when they find him, the prunum is an eight year old boy and he's just minding his own business. And I, you know, and this hunter had never hesitated before, hesitated here. And there's a couple things going on with that one, because I think Mobius has such a tender heart it makes sense to me that he would hesitate but you also think about the fact that he himself had you know an eight-year-old son and like yeah double double whammy there right 
Um, so you can see like why he would hesitate and then, you know, but then, you know, it leads to like several hunters dying and, and, and in the end, Renslayer prunes the, the boy anyway. And, you know, and he talks about like, just like the, t- the tough choices. Right. And like, um, Loki is like, how is that comforting? And Mobius is like, TV is not for comfort. <laughs> like you're, you're coming to the wrong place for comfort, you know? And like talking about like, difficult choices and looking at the big picture right and that's going to come into play later right for loki and he gets to this line that i think is so good he says most purpose is more burden than glory right totally turning the the term glory's purpose on its head so good it's it's so good like oh it it just I can't anyway um so like you know that really landed so well for me and you know and he adds you know and trust me you never want to be the guy who avoids it because you can't live with the burden and and Loki asks him look well how do you deal with it and he says scar tissue like it like he he just like I what I love about Mobius is that he's a very sweet and kind guy but like he does not shy away from the hard truths right and like obviously we know he's going to change his mind about like pruning of course you know but like the principles of what he's saying are still true you know Mm -hmm. and like especially when it comes to purpose you know and like um i don't know it's like it's kind of understanding like you know being in a position of authority is it's not supposed to be about this glory or power like if you are like serious about you know i like let's just since we're talking about a throne like ruling on a throne it's like doing it doing it responsibly you know being on a throne is actually so much work it's actually not that glorious at all in terms of like the everyday grunge work and like all the things you have to worry about not only for yourself but an entire people or an entire multiverse what have you you know, and like, um, and life not only being full of tough choices, but like having to make tough choices on behalf of, you know, other people. And like Sylvie gets into that idea as well. It's like, who are you to decide on behalf of everybody and to remove free will, you know? And like, like, these are the kinds of questions I love that we delved into. Like, I wish we hadn't just done it in like the final hour, but like, I really liked it so much. Um, that like it's just like a it's like a tough look at like you know yeah there is no I don't know just like the idea of like you know understanding that there is no glory and purpose it's not shiny and like shiny and and perfect and pretty it's like no it's like carrying a rock up the hill 24 7 and like that it hurts you it leaves the scar but like you heal you know the idea of scar tissue is that like it leaves a mark but then you heal I don't know. It's just like it's dealing with that tension as well in terms of of what true purpose is, what true quote unquote glorious purpose is. Yeah, I really like what the writers did with Loki's character this time around, because for the most part, it was merely speculation or his relation, who he is in relation to Thor. So it's nice to see Loki really come into his own and realize what it's like to love and be loved and to really do something for the sake of the greater good to find that glorious purpose even if it isn't always so glorious right 
I don't know, more burden than glory. That's going to live in my head rent-free for a while. Hey, Mobius is a smooth talker through and through, but the fact that he's genuine in what he says makes him all the more amazing. Oh, you know, I will say one more bit of the dialogue that he mentions just to finish the thought about, like, burden and glorious purpose. You know, he says, no, there's no comfort. You just choose your burden. And I, for me, it, like, um, this is just, like, more of a personal note, I guess. But it reminds me of, like, um, you know, the Bible scripture that talks about, like, you know, choosing, you know, like, everyone carries a cross, you know? It's, like, choose your cross. Either way, you're carrying around a cross, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um i don't know it just it would just you know i don't know if that's where they took inspiration from but that's what it reminded me of in terms of you you choosing your burden and you know that's ultimately the burden that loki does choose because i mean let's be honest he could have like lived outside of time conceivably forever you know um and that would have been avoiding the issue as you know as mobius says like you don't want to be that guy who just avoids the burden because he can't handle it you know um but he he chooses to face it head on as we see but it's just like and it's this is the tragedy and the pain of you know the heroic move in which you know he suffers his worst nightmare i mean i don't want to be alone and then he ends up alone ah gosh Ah. scene i cannot emphasize enough how amazing that scene was i mean this is like after he's tried and tried to fix the tva and the the loom for centuries mm-hmm. you know this is just trying over and over and over again and he finally realizes that he what he has to do and he just grabs all the branches turns it into his own tree and sits in this empty space and another dimension in time he sits on just... a throne he sits yeah. on he who remains his throne yeah oh my gosh the visuals of that were stunning but when you really think about the implications of what that means for loki is just heartbreaking but incredible because he it's like you said he had he's living out his worst fear he finally has people in his life that care about him and he has to leave them behind in order to save them oh my gosh and it's so sad i want to give that guy a hug i know it's it's uh i mean the the final moment where we're closing in on tom hillson's face is you know you see like the you know like on one hand there's like i i've done it i've protected them but also this like heartbreak you know tears like about to form in his eyes you're like you know it's so sad it's so sad i can't it's just the tragedy of loki man like and like I don't know that I okay for all of my flack about Sylvie like she has really great lines throughout this season um like you know maybe it's like maybe it's just every Loki's destiny to lose you know and that's an interesting line too do you think that's still true even with this version of Loki um honestly it's hard to say because like Loki did lose but he also didn't because he lost in terms of him self you know he lost his whole world basically but he also had he also saved it in a way so like kind of true kind of not and then if we're still counting sylvia as a loki which doesn't always feel like she's a loki 
I'm guessing she went back to work for McDonald's. Doesn't feel like a win to me, but it honestly, if it makes her happy. So maybe more towards, no, that's that's not true. Lokis are not always destined to lose. Yeah, I think... I think I, I I like to think that he does break destiny, and we talked about this when we were talking about Miles Morales in the Cross of Spider Verse, right? Like how much of your destiny, and like destiny and free will. I mean, these are the questions that we were, you know, wanting to grapple with more in season one, right? And like I think um, that line really speaks to like the whole predestination, and like you you're inevitably gonna do this and fated to do that, you know. But I think you know, the, by virtue of the existence of multiverse, you know, it proves that it's not true, but, like, on a personal level, pro- Loki proves it's not true by by breaking that. And, like, yes, personally, like, you could say he he does suffer that loss, you know, but he does win the war, you know? And, like, I mean, no other Kangs seem to be pop- popping up other than the 616 variant in Quantumania, right? But that was taken care of by Ant-Man and crew. And so, yep. and I... W- I wonder how much Loki intervened in that, actually. Ooh, that's an interesting conversation. All right. Yeah, I don't know, because that seems to be the TVA's purpose by the end of it, right? Is just, like, monitoring the Kangs. Yeah, yeah, it definitely changes everything. Things, like, stay the same, but it's also super different at the same time, you know? It's definitely uh change for the better, you know? So yeah. yeah right he found he like he found another way right like because i mean he could have like he i mean he could have killed sylvia i thought for a moment they might go there um i, I mean, really not, thought they would go there yeah i was like really i was like are they really gonna do that Ooh, you know but like i was i was skeptical only because i'm like this redeemed loki though doesn't feel like he would go that way though you know it just didn't feel right for his character was my only like hesitation but like you know just like this you know, the sheer number of times she says, like, you're gonna have to kill me, and it's like, oh boy, is he gonna actually have to kill her? You know? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, so he could have gone back to, like, the, the, you know, status quo, so to speak, and he could have, like, even, like, gotten the throne that way, I guess, but, you know, instead, he chooses, again, the, the selfless option, and he chooses selfless love, and you know and he chooses like a throne that has absolutely no glory right i mean because no one even knows that he's there other than like the tva all these other branches all the people in those branches have no idea that he exists what he's doing for them what he's sacrificed for them and like it's also tragic too because rewatching, i was rewatching the the finale and like i realized there's a moment where he grabs a branch and he uses his magic and then he lets it go and then like the branch dies again and like so he clearly tried to see if like just one touch would do it but he's like no i have to like hold on to the, all these branches like actively all the time otherwise they will die out yep oh my gosh the, the it, seriously the acting and the direction of that moment was very well done the subtle things like you said with loki touching it first before realizing no i gotta grab them very well done and like i mean his walk across you know the bridge as he like as his clothes are like you know the radiation like you know so they you know his 
his like um tva uniform is burning off but then it's replaced by you know his full-on green loki costume with the horns i mean it's such a it's such a cool transformation loved it 10 out of 10 um as the music is playing too like it's just like the swell of it you're just like oh it's you just you really do feel all the feelings right as he is step by step giving up everything and you know it's just it it takes me back to I'm, i'm making all these connections to like other marvel characters but like i swear it's relevant um you know it's hard it the whole thing in black panther where it's like hard to be a good man and a good king Mm-hmm. you know and like yeah, I don't know that, I'm just thinking about that too it's like I I feel like Loki succeeds in being like he's a good king because he's a good man right and I think that's ultimately the conclusion that T'Challa comes to at the end of Black Panther um, and I think it's a lesson that we keep seeing reiterated with these other character arcs with like thrones and kings and things like that not that he's really like a I guess king per se but like he's on a throne that symbol of power it's reminiscent of that right so i still think the point still stands yeah agreed yeah so so there's that so like yeah the, all, on the whole like i i think i just came to feel so much for this version of loki and i really was heartbroken for him and i i could see how much he had grown. It's, I mean, I think the most in like the final episode, which it makes sense because again, centuries pass. And so, and I don't know, just like his sheer endurance and determination to keep <laughs> centuries, you know, I'm never getting over that. And like, um, like that's how hard he was trying and like how, like how happy he was when they actually succeeded for just like a second and the devastation on his face when it turns out they didn't and he has to go back to the drawing board again after all of that Uh work but he doesn't give up i'm like i would have thrown in the towel i'm like let all right just let me get spaghetti-o'd right now just like i'm done you know i i don't know how he kept going i wouldn't have even lasted one century let alone multiple centuries yeah but I mean, I think that is the thing about Loki is that he like he doesn't give up. It's one of his best qualities. And right that makes me think of Megamind. <laughs> oh my gosh. So many right? connections. I'm making so many connections today. My brain is on fire right now. It's gonna be hard for me to go to sleep after this. <laughs> he like, I mean, because the whole thing with Megamind, right? It's like the villain, the bad guy always loses, right? And like, mm-hmm. I mean, eventually he like turns it that on its head too, but like there's I don't know. There's a parallel with that as well that I'm thinking about with that. Yeah. Hmm. yeah totally parallel. The determination in Loki just we saw it before but we especially saw it in season two specifically towards that home stretch there. And mm-hmm. the fact that he was also determined not to kill Sylvie when it seemed like that would be the only way to save the TVA and basically all of time. Right. Which a part of me was like, yeah, kill her, go for it, you know? <laughs> it wouldn't have been too sad, not gonna lie. I know, same. I I don't hate Sylvie. I, I, like, I don't dislike her. I don't like her either, though. I'm neutral. I remain neutral about her. There are times where I'm like, that was good. That was a good line. That was good character moment, you know? But other times where I, I'm like, you just annoy me. <laughs> 
don't know, just cancels each other out. Yeah, that's about my thoughts on her too. So when he who remains was like, Yeah, you're probably gonna have to kill her, I'm like, Yeah, that's that's viable. Go for it, Lokes, you know. <laughs> go go for it, Lokes. <laughs> yeah. I I can't say I like, yeah, I again I the only reason I thought they wouldn't go there is just because I feel like I feel like Loki's too changed too much as a person to like really believe that's the only option. Um but exactly yeah um and like again you know i i wasn't against like the idea of her character on principle or anything like that i wish they had done more with her character i think she deserved better <sighs> that said you know i think i think one of the other criticisms i saw when i was hanging out in like uh tumblr after the loki finale dropped was like pointing out the difference of like between mobius and loki and sylvie's reactions to loki particularly after he sacrificed himself it's just like sylvie like after losing loki she's just like hmm, okay we get he gave us another chance at life and hunky dory you know and like whereas mobius looks quietly devastated <laughs> you know? oh my gosh and okay i was a little bit bitter about them using that as a tool to criticize sylvie because i'm like i don't think she deserves to be criticized for how she feels or doesn't really feel about loki to be frank I never thought she really liked him or loved him. Certainly was not like other than maybe a passing attraction. Like even when she kisses him in bleh, even when she kisses him, bleh, sorry, in season one, she does the thing. And I, I mean, it's just a, for me. It, I, maybe I need to rewatch that scene again. To but I don't want to. But like for me, I've always kind of inter- <laughs> I've interpreted it as her a distraction technique i never really thought of it as a sign of that she ever truly reciprocated his affections and i feel like her behavior throughout season two makes that abundantly clear oh yeah without a doubt like i felt that the whole thing i felt loki's affection but with her it's more like okay yeah you're kind of fun and you're kind of cute but otherwise no real affection at least nothing as uh, strong as Mobius feels, honestly. So right, yeah, because she like I okay. I just want I just wanted to say like because she doesn't owe him anything. She doesn't owe Loki affection or even lo- owe him being like devastated about him being gone. You know, I think I again I I still think of her as a pretty selfish character, so it doesn't surprise me. Like it just like I wasn't shocked by it. Like I saw certain people like I don't know if they were necessarily shocked, but like like critiquing her about it and i'm like you know she really doesn't owe loki anything and like you know she did like the bare minimum only after like you know her her own branch disappeared so like i i just don't think of her as really i mean she says like you know what about free people will and all those people who die but honestly i'm i'm not sure how much she really really cared about it i think she cared about it on an objective level but i'm not sure she cared about it on a person level if that makes sense and no that makes perfect sense so it didn't really surprise me but like again i don't really see that as necessarily a critique of her as a person or anything i felt like it was very consistent with the character that we have known since season one that's just like who she is you know whether i really am like her as a character like no i'm again i'm neutral there are times where like i'm interested by her i'm fascinated by her 
Um, there are even times where I do like her, but then there are other times where I'm just like, what? What? And like, in general, she just doesn't really even feel like a Loki variant to me, which is my biggest criticism. Like, if we're talking about criticism of like her development as a character, but that's like, anyway, I don't know. I I'm kind of I'm I'm going off on more of a tangent than I meant to, but like, basically, I just don't I don't mean it as like, um, oh, like this is a reason to like vilify her you know, because she wasn't devastated about Loki being gone. Like, I'm not interested in that kind of framework. Um, however, I am interested in talking about the framework of Mobius being quietly devastated. So I'm sorry, Jen, I think you were going to talk about that earlier and I cut you off. Oh, don't worry about it. It just, the, the, the acting on Owen Wilson's part for that scene was perfect. Because these two have developed like a friendship. They have this great balance with each other. You know, they match each other, like how we've been saying so they really, really have reached this point in their friendship. And even though it has not been centuries for Mobius in particular, you know, That's true. He just there's still that bond he's got with Loki. So when Loki goes out there and sacrifices himself, that look, you don't, you don't need hysterics. You don't need over the top like, oh, just the quiet devastation was enough. It was perfect. And it punched me right in the heart yeah i mean the way that he just stands outside of his house and like you know he's i'm gonna let time pass like when i was hunting the lokiest tags afterward on tumblr people were like he was waiting for loki i'm like oh no i'm crying now <laughs> i'll wait for you i'll wait for you like oh that's that's so sad so sad whether you're looking at it platonically or romantically that is sad you know is oh my gosh and again even if you're not a loki shipper did you all feel that did please tell me we're not the only ones who felt that oh gosh and like love another, their friendship love it and and the other thing i was gonna say too like when loki is about to go out there on on you know the bridge and like you know destroy the time loop and like you know save the multiverse right and like he closes the door and like Sylvie and it's just it's notable that Sylvie and Loki or sorry Sylvie and Lo and Mobius are the ones who go immediately go down there and press at the door like Loki you know and like um like that they both care about like that that I don't know that was an expression of emotion for Sylvie and like expressing like concern for Loki um even just like as a person in general so I'll, you know um so but like you know it's it's interesting that like they're both at the door looking through the window when Loki turns around and says, you know, I'm gonna be, um, I don't have the line right in front of me, but I'm gonna be uh, the God I have to be, you know, for you, for us. And it like you see, and the camera turns to both of their faces. Like when he says like, you know, for you, for us, right? It's like both movies, like it could have just been Sylvie, you know? But, like, Mobius was right there in Loki's line of sight. So it's very easy to say, like, who is he talking to? Is he talking to both of them? Is he talking to just Sylvie? Or is he talking to Mobius? You know, it, like, I feel like there's multiple ways to interpret that scene, which I really like. It Like, I like that that part is left up open to interpretation, you know? And, like, you know, Sylvie pulls away from the door first, saying, I got to get out there somehow. Um, but Mobius lingers at the at the window watching him for a little bit longer, which I thought was also mm -hmm. an interesting. It was an interesting choice. Yeah, very nice touch. I think it just goes to show that like 
whatever was going on with Sylvie, I feel like ultimately Loki and Mobius had that deeper connection. And but they showed it in subtle ways. And, you know, I still feel like they sidelined their relationship a little bit, in, especially towards the beginning. Um, but they made up for it later. Like, I mean, because it's Mobius's um timeline that he comes back to the most and like I think appears in first and it's like and Mobius is the first one that Loki goes back to for advice when he know when he's trying to figure out what to do with like Sylvie and like the all the different timelines and the time loop not working like Mobius is the first one he turns to you know and like I again it's like all these different choices right and like that I felt like we're a good um way to show like the importance of their relationship um even if it wasn't intended to be romantic in a canon way but i feel like anyway it could have been so yeah there's that there's that we'll always have the fan fiction and the fan art for Lokius, though it's true we will we will um but yeah so i just thought those were really interesting really cool moments and you know yeah so and i don't know i feel like part of me I guess this is the hopeless optimist in me that somehow maybe this Loki can like be free and like, you know, be able to enjoy life again and be with the people he loves again. That somehow yeah. he and Thor can be, I don't know. Or you just like that he somehow, I don't know. Is he like, I guess the other question I have, a question I have at the end of this series is how far do his like time powers go? Cause I assume, you know, the Loki we knew, like, say, at the beginning of season one, wouldn't have been capable of saving the multiverse that way. You know, he's only capable of it after time slipping enough times, learning, I mean, I guess, presumably from Kang, and, like, you know, learning about, yeah, manipulating time, and that's how he's ultimately able to become, like, the quote-unquote god of stories, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I was trying to figure out connecting the dots there, um, but, like, I guess, like, is he just sitting there holding on to these strands all the time? Is he able to actually see what's happening in those strands? I was curious about that. Like, because I, I was touching on the idea of, like, is he able to influence things so that Kang is not so much a problem anymore? You know, I mean, that's a clean way to get rid of Kang in the future. You know, it's like, oh, Loki's taking care of it. You know, is he able to watch what's going on? Is he even, basically, I guess I just wonder, is he even able, able to be, like, a fly on a, on the wall for his friends? I was kind of wondering about that too, actually, because mm -hmm. I can definitely see that. And there was even a moment where Mobius and Sylvie are talking and they're looking at Mobius's other life and such, where I, I wondered for a moment if they would put like Tom Hiddleston's eyes just in the sky, kind of watching. Oh, like the watcher. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, is he kind of like a watcher? You know, a part of me was hoping that was the case, but they didn't quite go that way, but I don't know. They haven't denied it, so maybe we can just assume. Yeah, I like I that was another thing I was wondering too. Is like, is he going to team up with any Watchers? Like, I doubt he's going to show up in the What If series that's coming up in season two. But like, that would be interesting if he did. You know, food food for thought, MCU writers. If you're listening, or if you just <laughs> sense our vibes. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I guess I'll just to finish to top off, you know, Loki's ending here with like saving the multiverse. Um, so he grabs all the strands and he basically it it turns into the shape of a tree. Um, and it's based on a Norse mythology tree tree called uh, Yggdrasil. Um, it's um, it's a com it's concept in Norse uh, cosmology uh, that rep represents the space and balance between life and death. 
Um, so it's it's also known as the tree of life. Um, no, going back to a biblical like reference too as well. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, I I that was an interesting image to to end that on as well. It's like that's transformed from this like one singular line, this one strand for the sacred timeline in a loom versus like this this tree with the sprawling branches and the sprawling roots on either side like can yeah what do you think of that that symbolism of the tree it was beautiful because my first thought was of the asgardian tree i'm not even gonna try to pronounce that i feel awful but that was literally my first thought i'm like oh it looks just like how they were talking about where you got asgard there midgard there alfheim there you know, that's a lovely parallel, mm. visually stunning, but also it, it could be symbolized in like so many ways. He made his own, you know, world or while preserving one, you know, just visually stunning. And I'm trying to find a picture of it, actually, so I can put it as like my wallpaper or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, too, that it cuts to like later at the TVA, there's a poster that says, let's grow together. And you see um like a tva person like watering a, a tree so right yeah which is interesting because like he closed like loki closes the portal behind him so how do they know that there's a tree there they felt the vibe man they I, felt yeah the vibe. i just wonder i'm like is there any way to like visit him <laughs> You know, is there any way to travel to that that place? Can it, has Mobius ever tried to prune himself to somehow end up there? You know, <laughs> like think about it. Huh. I'm right. just saying. I'm just saying. Maybe maybe they can prune themselves every once in a while and try to visit him. I don't know. I, I or like at the very least, have they tried and they saw the tree and this is the distance, but they couldn't get to him for whatever reason. Like I just I wonder. Yeah, no, I definitely have some questions too. Nothing that's like burning or pressing or like leaves like plot holes. No, yeah. Much for that, you know. I'm curious, but again, more as a, um, like, huh, I wonder kind of thing, you know. Yeah. No, that's what it is for me too, for sure. Um. Okay. Well, anything else like overall that you want to say about this series? about loki about the characters well slow start cannot emphasize that enough but <laughs> solid conclusion oh my gosh yeah like i'm not sure if i would give loki season one or two another watch you know but i'm definitely going to be looking for clips of that ending you know and then of course all the Lokiest vibes i can find but for those of you who enjoyed it that is super awesome and Bridge, I can't believe we did it. And I can't believe there was a point where we were like, oh, yeah, I want to watch the next episode. It was, it was a good feeling. It, I was happy to have that feeling, especially after Secret Invasion and that whole dumpster fire. So, yeah, um, it definitely lifted my Marvel spirits by the end, for sure. Um, oh, for sure. Uh, one, like, a uh, fun thing I was reading about in terms of behind the scenes for this series is that... Um, Tom Hiddleston was in the know about like how everything was going to end. Um, but the rest of the cast didn't. So like refilming over and over again, all those scenes from episode four for episode six, 
Like they were just like super confused. And of course they were lied to about what the ending was. And like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, that's so Marvel, (laughs) you know? It's so Marvel. Yeah. They were confused all the time. And, um, and like Loki being, I mean, Loki being the only one knowing what's going on in the show and Tom being the only one that's going, knows what's going on in real life and just trying to keep everybody's spirits up. Like it's so meta. I just love that so much. Um, so shout out for that. Yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes the writers and the directors, sometimes they get it really right, you know? So yeah, that's an interesting uh, fact right there. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it's fun. It's quite fun. Um, and then, okay, I just want to share one little moment that I just, I really love from the finale that I haven't already touched on. It, it's when we're doing all those loops and trying over and over again to save the the time loom and Loki is just so patiently like really truly so patiently coaching everybody through the motions of everything especially timely you know I mean we hear timely mutter himself about being brave but like Loki really picks that up he picks up on that and you know encourages him all the time by constantly telling him you're you're brave you know and what what will live in my head rent-free is when um they do manage to get timely out to the you know to the bridge and not have him immediately combust and he's like walking you know so slowly (laughs) um you know to fix the machine and loki is you know reading on the microphone for him to hear it's like yes one step at a time you are so brave (laughs) like the deadpan delivery i cannot do it justice but it's just like, yes, you're so brave. It's just so, it's perfect. Like, it made me so good. laugh. Like, I've rewatched that scene, like, an embarrassing number amount of times because it's just so funny. <laughs> like, just him gently coaching timely, you know, and like, don't, don't leave it on the gangway because it will roll off. The button will stick sometimes. Just hit it again. Like... Just, just he has all the chill let's you know and like it's so it's so funny it's such a turnaround in terms of like Loki's energy that I'm used to up to that point you know he's just like so unbothered he's like yep we're just gonna do this again we're gonna do this again and one more time <laughs> you know oh it's just we ah oh, Tom Hilton is a phenomenal actor that's all I'll say seriously how much how much have we talked about him as an actor and how much have we talked about the acting in general oh not enough not enough never enough but i think that is where we're gonna have to end it for today because oh that was it this was a real ringer of a series that was for sure but um by the end of it in a nutshell we really enjoyed ourselves and i think there was a lot of rich you know character development and a lot of amazing parallels that I, you know, got to enjoy compared to, you know, other Marvel characters, especially Thor. You know, I live for that stuff. So, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll see Loki um, in another variation somehow. Like, I- I'm not saying another whole series or a season of Loki necessarily. Just, like, a fun little cameo here and there I think would be super fun. And if Tom Hilson is not interested in playing him anymore, you know, again, we're in a multiverse. Like, have other actors play him shoot i would even go for another version of sylvie that's more interesting you know 
gotta gotta make that clear more interesting yeah so food for thought marvel just saying but uh yeah thank you all so much for listening uh we really enjoy talking about this series and uh we always appreciate your support if you like us tell us about tell us tell all your friends about us listen to nerd alert girls on spotify apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your podcast all that good stuff um but yeah am i missing anything else is that all really good to the order um let's see i think we're good honestly the I can't believe it's done, and I can't believe we didn't hate it. We didn't, and I I would rewatch season two. Like I, it wouldn't be the first series I'd first series I would rewatch necessarily. But like, if someone was like, "Dude, I feel like watching some of like Loki season 2 it I'd be like, "Okay, sure, why not?" <laughs> um, that's kind of how I feel about it. But yeah, Appreciate so that. yeah. <laughs> But I just want to say kudos to everybody who worked on this on this show. Um, great work, and you know whether we see Loki again uh, or not, at least in this variation, you know I think they did a really fantastic job with this character. And honestly, that's that's what I was most interested in, aside from Obi and Mobius. So good for me. Well done. Got well that done. <laughs> and we got him on a jet ski. We got Mobius on a jet ski. That must be acknowledged. Oh my! We got gosh. it. He was a Jet salesman. <laughs> he was a salesman, but he loved it. He has—you could tell—he has a passion for the jet skis and such. So the fact that that sort of love for a jet ski just carried over when his brain was erased and he became a TBA agent. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so I hope good. he gets to be reunited with his boys, though. If not with Loki, or well. I, Loki and his boys. Let's how about that. Like the whole. I want to have my cake and eat it too. <laughs> we could yeah. just stare longingly at the cake. Yeah, I guess. Oh, the tragedy, the tragedy. But yeah. Um. Anyway, I think that's all we had to say. So thank you so much for for listening. And um, I guess next time will be uh. The next this next thing coming down the pipe is is the what if season two. So. I'm very excited for that. Look forward to it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and join us next time on Nerd Alert. Girls. Girls. <laughs> Adios, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.